Today on The Topping Show, Visa will not track gun purchases, Daily Wire employee quits because Matt Walsh is harsh, Biden wants to raise the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%, Washington State aims to ban black guns, Chris Rock slams Will Smith in his special, Elon Musk might build his own city, GM to offer buyouts for all employees, Lamborghini will make a hybrid V12, then an electric SUV, then an electric car, and Tesla has yet another recall. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN helps protect your online data, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader and use some assistance, you can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, jumping into the business section of the podcast, Visa and MasterCard have announced they will not track gun purchases. This is going against their recent take. For a couple months back after a tragedy, they announced that they were going to create a new merchant code in order to track firearm purchases as well as firearm accessories, which goes against... I would say the spirit of their business model, which is to provide financial services and not track data, especially sensitive data that no one should be tracking when you look at civil rights and the histories, historicals of registering firearms. And a lot of people, including myself, correlated this idea of Visa getting to this business practice to telecom companies not having liability for the services they provide. The traditional analogy being, if you call someone on your cell phone, and you have a telecom provider such as Verizon, AT&T, you know, whatever have you, just because they facilitate that call does not mean that they are liable for the, your actions. And that's what the course has said previously. They are just a provider. So they're not supposed to edit your call. They're not supposed to censor what you're saying on the call. They're just giving you that connection to the other person. Same with the financial institutions. They, in my, they own their own company, so of course they can do whatever the heck they want and legally probably but the the real trouble comes in is why are they gathering all this data who are they going to sell to and who are they going to coordinate with we've already seen the facts come out that the united states government coordinated with twitter to censor individuals as well as news outlets on the platform which is unconstitutional disgusting so for visa and all these companies are not going to collect that data for no reason at all which is why there's a lot of pushback a lot of folks said they will no longer use that purchase that um payment platform so cash sales are going to increase which is a great way to support mom and pop shops i definitely recommend doing that because they don't have to pay that two to five percent transaction fee and that's built into the cost so if you have a nice mom and pop shop maybe they give you a discount but it's a lot easier for them because they don't have to worry about that extra expense which adds up in the aggregate this is why those companies are worth billions by billions of dollars so it's great to see that those two companies visa and mastercard have walked back that plan now, unfortunately, Discover said that they will begin to track gun purchases and, and ammo purchases in April. Now, the good news is no one uses Discover. I think there's one or two people who might have it, which I'm only partially joking. That's a very niche product. And again, never use Discover if you're going to buy firearms for this. And it's just a, ri a ridiculous, I would say you're breaking the spirit of the relationship you have with the client which is why PayPal stock and their company crashed when they said they were going to charge, I believe it was $1,500 to $2,500 per quote-unquote infraction 
or misconduct of speech, which translates to basically speech they don't agree with, which is disgusting. So that's why their, their company had a big backlash. I believe it was Q4 2022. So that's good news in terms of both privacy as well as civil rights with Visa and MasterCard not doing those purchases. Again, it's not their job. And for the folks who don't know how the transaction works in the United States when you're purchasing a firearm from a store, every store in the United States is an FFL holder, also known as a Federal Firearms Licensee Holder. That's basically, think of it as a permit to sell guns. In order to do that, they do a background check on every gun they sell, or there's new use, and goes through the NICS system, which is basically the government database to see if you have a outstanding warrants as well as if you have any outstanding crimes or if you're past criminal which obviously then they would bar you from the purchase of that firearm so this would have done nothing except trample civil rights in my opinion and it would just hold up sales unnecessarily as well as this again this one not what they should be doing so thankfully that's some good news in the financial sector for once now on some sad news Lamborghini will make a hybrid Huracan and Urus, Urus being their SUV, in 2024. The iconic tractor company turns supercar company, knowing for their iconic engines, the V12, the V10, the V... All the most Italian engineering at its finest. Especially when they had the best Lamborghini, which is the LP640 with a stick shift. As all Lamborghinis should. A nice gated shifter is something you cannot replicate. Now, specifically, CEO of Lamborghini, Stefan Winkelmann, noted that the full electric vehicle and Urus will arrive before the decade is over. He said they're going to introduce two EVs by the end of the decade. The first is going to be in 2028, and they'll have the Urus in 2029. Italy is currently opposing the European Union plan for carbon neutrality by 2035. And of course, China gets a nice exemption because they don't have to follow any of those rules. But all these other countries, they'll be handicapped by that. Now, Ferrari actually has, they're actually pushing back. I read a couple of months back because they're Ferrari. They're also going to make hybrids. And I think they actually have one currently in production. Now, the EV car is unknown. The one's going to come out in 2028. So that sounds like it's going to be built from the ground up as an EV. Which is what you should do, in my opinion. Don't bastardize or don't take your old car and... Try to make, try to turn it into something that it's not, which is yet another reason the new Corvette, which is not only only automatic, but they're also going to make an EV version. I would just argue, be a little bit more creative and come out with your own new idea. That's how you, if you want to compete with Tesla in the EV market, you need to start from the ground up and be revolutionary. And, and even, even then, engineering at Tesla is unparalleled. They have so many people there in terms of the computer software and EV technology. I almost think it would be better not to compete with them directly, but rather provide do what Lamborghini's always done, which is provide a product to those niche fans who love the adrenaline rush of a Italian sports car. Now, it is even stranger, they're gonna have a hybrid V12. So they have the awesome iconic V12 engine, great. And it's interesting, they're gonna have three electric motors in that platform as well giving the car a thousand and one horsepower. So it's plenty of horsepower, but again, especially when it comes to exotics and I use the term collectible lightly because most times if you buy anything that's marketed as being collectible, it's trash, it's not gonna go up in value. Supercars and some of these more premium cars, 
they have the potential Gulfic value. And I would always argue, 100 years later, a Bugatti still works in terms of internal combustion Bugatti. All those cars are very stable in terms of their technology. EVs, they will not last 100 years. You'll have to replace the batteries. And more importantly, the batteries becoming a structural component in many of these vehicles, including General Motors. That's one of their main ideals is you just have the same platform, slap on a different body kit, which is great in terms of the assembly cost and you get a lot of savings in that regard. But if the main structural component is scrapped, I don't know if that's best for the environment or the world long term, especially when you look at the ROI, return on investment for owners. So it'll be interesting to see how Lamborghini continues to evolve. Maybe someday they'll make that shift again. I'm not optimistic. Well, maybe just 1%. You have to have some hope. Now, other automotive news, General Motors are going to offer buyouts to near all of their U.S. staff. And some would argue this should be the business blunder of the day. But given General Motors, General Motors history and their cost structure, this is one of the few times I'll actually admit Mary knows Mary is, has the right idea. You have to. Because all these other companies, not only are they catching up in terms of the market sales, Toyota for the first time in North America actually beat GM for a number of units sold, which is an astronomical feat. And congratulations to Toyota for achieving that. But it also, that's a big shoot, shot across the stern or barn or whatever terminology you want to say. I think that's waking GM up to some of their mistakes and they know they need to make some drastic changes. Now, they're going to offer a to buy out a majority of the salary employees in attempt. Now, the, the reason they're doing this is to cut cost by $2 billion in two years. Now, GM specifically said they're going to offer this to U.S. employees with five years of employment at GM in the United States or and then two years of service for international employees. Many are skeptical to say if this will work because if you have a cush, cush job or you have a really cushiony job where you're paid a lot of money and you're not necessarily producing the optimal amount, why would you walk away from that? So right now it's a voluntary thing. They tried this in 2018 actually with the hopes that they would lay off or that they would have 50% of the salaried employees that were given the option that they would say yes and they would accept. So I looked into the article and in 2018, the article noted that only 2000 people accepted, which that's, that's way low. So I did the math and that comes out to about 12.5%. So they wanted 50%, they got 12.5% of employees volunteering for that. And for 2023, GM is projecting any adjusted earnings to be in the range of 10.5 to 12.5 billion for the year. And in 2022, the pre-tax earnings are 14.5 billion. And a lot of people think, oh, that's a lot of money. They're doing great. It's billions of dollars. But I always tell folks, don't forget about taxes. Pre-tax might sound like a lot, but don't forget, the United States has a very very large tax burden on businesses. Yet another reason many businesses are leaving to other countries that have zero to near none. That's one of the reasons, fun business fact, that Ireland was so successful in attracting businesses, I believe it was the 80s. That's the reason the iconic DMC DeLorean that everyone loves from Back to the Future has been in Ireland because of that nice tax break. And same with even IT companies, um, storage company EMC, if you actually look at the EMC hardware and like where it's made from that time, a lot of them say made in Ireland. Well, there's a reason. Ireland slashed the corporate tax. It attracted businesses to go there. 
and it helps boost their local economy and is a big win-win, which is what everyone should be rooting for these days, especially with this economic downturn. Now, it'll be interesting to see if that helps GM with their long-term business plan. Probably would also help to make more profitable vehicles. Right now, they're in a tight spot because most companies, with the exception of Tesla, are burning money and bleeding from EV sales. Bleeding meaning they're actually losing money every time they make one. And they don't have the profit margins to compete with Tesla. Tesla, even when they drop the prices down so that the cars would qualify for the U.S. tax break that people get when they buy the car, even dropping the price, they still had the best profit margins in the industry. That's partially because it's so advanced. And of course, the power of the brand. It'll be interesting to see how this helps long-term. Now, speaking of Tesla, I should clarify with this, Elon might be making his own town. So these are, a lot of these are second, excuse me, secondhand knowledge. And this is an article from the Rob Report. So there is some solid facts. So Elon purchasing 35, uh, land 35 miles away from Austin. And the goal allegedly is for him to make a area for his employees to live. And they're rumored to call it Snailbrook, which is actually the name of the boring company's mascot. And it would be a way for all of his employees to live locally. And this is the, this is the craziest part that I, I, I was shocked. So the alleged, alleged uh, plan is to have 100 homes built in the community for the ability of employees to rent a two to three bedroom home for $800 a month, which is basically free in Texas. I mean, my rent, my, my rent and I have a, I'm renting a mid-sized house because I have to for the business and podcast rooms, but it's more than double that. And so these houses would be bigger for less than half the cost so I'm almost debating or wondering, I mean, Elon is probably doing this. If he does, if he goes through the whole plan, it'll be just to loot. I'll be interested to see if he actually bleeds money or loses money, but that's a great way to make employees happy. If they're in a part of the, a stage of their life where they want to rent a house, you're right close to work. So it's kind of trying to replicate the Google campus, which by one of the most famous business use cases of having the convenience of everything you possibly need. They even had, you know, on-site laundry. They would, I mean, they had, they have everything at Google campuses, which makes for a much more productive, productive employee because most valuable thing is your time. And if you're not going throughout the town, doing all those errands, going to the stores for food, laundry mats, I mean, if you could have all that consolidated, it's a huge time and stress savings. Again, if that's something that makes you happy, some people enjoy windshield time or driving. Personally, I kind of, I enjoy it because I have six beats to choose from when I have my six shift and I'm out about driving. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, the Daily Wire, which is a conservative media company based out of Tennessee, their reporter quit because of Matt Walsh, which is fascinating. So the reporter's name is Christina Buttons, and she said that Matt was too harsh. And it's one of those things where if you watch Matt Walsh, he probably is the more aggressive personality on the Republican or conservative spectrum or politics side. But if you compare him to the left and kind of who he's going against, he's still not even close in terms of his vernacular or accusations. He, as far as I know, and I've looked at his work, he never directly threatens, he never threatens anyone, which, so he's already better than his competition. 
So he's not threatening people, not doing death threats. He's harsh in terms of he'll tell you if he doesn't believe in your BS or he'll give you his honest assessment. But to say he's too harsh and she worked at the company. And he's probably his mo he's the most known name at the company besides Ben Shapiro. So for you to join the company not knowing that. And she even said she liked his documentary, What is a Woman? And it blows my mind a few things, or extremely imprudent, I would say. So she worked down the hall from Matt. And this is another disappointing thing about people these days. Instead of just talking to someone, grabbing a coffee and saying, you know, I don't know, I don't understand your perspective, or, you know, why, why do you have this approach? I might not agree with it, but I, I want to learn more about it. Maybe I'll understand a thing or two, or maybe I'll understand you're fighting that hard because you truly believe in it. And you know, in terms of a culture war and a persuasion of ideas, you can't just have the timid folks who don't talk or stand up and fight metaphorically. You need someone who's really passionate, who's going to tell you exactly how they see it. And when they see lies, manipulation, they're going to tell you and they'll let you know. And he is more vocal than many on the right. That's, I would say that's one of the reasons conservatives' ideals have died or whispered to nothings throughout the years is because... They're not making enough, enough noise on the airwaves. They're not really pushing the ideals out there. And when people don't know your ideas, it's hard to grow that base of people who are really able to examine it. So she worked right down the hall. She never even talked to him or asked him about his tactics or why he's doing that way. And more, it's just more ridiculous. And this is the dumbest thing I see these days in terms of people quitting in a bombastic public way so she went out of her way she didn't just put in a resignation letter she had to get some fame out of it or satisfaction so she did a whole twitter where she had a video saying how evil he was and saying matt walsh is only in it for the money which is ridiculous his job is commentary so he's doing it partially for the money but if you watch any of his interviews or any of his shows i mean you could tell he's passionate and I mean, over the long term, his main vir virtues and morals are consistent. So he's not flipping every two minutes like many politicians do at a drop of a hat. Whatever the public wants, they'll just, yeah, oh yeah, I always believe that. I mean, so I don't see him doing it for the money. I see him as he's authentically letting people know his beliefs and his ideals. So I'd argue he's not only doing it for the money. And more hilariously enough, in her video at the end, she says, oh, if you want to support me, send me money. <laughs> so it's a little bit of calling the, the, what is it, calling the kettle black or whatever the saying is. But a good, life lace, a good life lesson from this, don't burn bridges. There's no reason to do it because you never know who you're going to work with long-term in life. I mean, one of my favorite sayings is timing, timing is half of everything in life. So always treat everyone with respect. Don't quit in such a poor fashion because you never know where you'll be or who might be at her next job. You never know. Other interesting culture news. Chris Rock finally addressed Will Smith in his latest special. This is coming off of at the Oscars or the Emmys, where award you just get the little statue. So Chris Rock was having a speech. He made a joke about Jada, Will Smith's open uh, wife. And Will Smith, Will Smith was actually laughing at the jokes. And Will Smith's wife leaned in and said something to Will Smith. No one knows what what she said one could only guess but immediately will smith's like 
his whole body language changed. He stopped smiling. And he walks up and he slaps another. He slapped Chris Rock, and he said, "Don't something too pejorative for me to say." He said, "You know, don't talk to my, don't talk about my wife like that again." Perhaps the ultimate simp. Although I still need to look that up. I don't know what the definition of that is. We'll look into it. But it was ridiculous beyond all belief, disrespectful to Chris Rock as a comedian, as a person. What kind of a man slaps another man? That's just pathetic in and of itself. To slap him? Ridiculous. Now, it was interesting that Chris Rock was making fun of Jada Smith. And that was not okay. But if you want to sleep with her, that is okay because they're in an open relationship. So she actually has boyfriends. And some are saying that's the real reason Will Smith, Will Smith was so angry. He's, there's a lot of behind the scenes saying he's pretty upset and miserable these days. And it's just a ridiculous situation. Though, Will Smith did get a little statue of his wife at the end, so kind of a win for him. Now, going on to the other points of his special, Chris Rock also brought up some of the quote-unquote woke or political issues that people are bringing up these days. And it's interesting perhaps a pivotal moment in entertainment history because for the longest time, everyone would just acquiesce to the traditional talking points and they really don't do anything controversial. They just stick to the party line. I mean, the only person that really went against the grain in terms of mass entertainment and in comedy, you'd have a couple, but it's really just Dave Chappelle, which I think, I think he's more politically in the middle. I think as many people are, but for Chris Rock to actually come out, actually address the issue, make fun of Will Smith a little bit. That's good. Now, going into the politics, the state of Washington wants to ban assault weapons, also known as black scary rifles. It's passed their house and it's now going to the Senate. House Bill 1240 would prohibit the sale, manufacture, and import of, quote unquote, assault weapons, as well as magazines with greater than 10 rounds. However, they have exemptions for law enforcement and military, of course. Now, it's interesting that this is probably going to get shot down because there's a lot of rumors that Republicans in the Senate are going to obviously, hopefully, vote against that. But the bill does not prohibit people from owning the weapon. So a lot of people, this is a very common thing in gun laws, they call it grandfathered in, where they'll pass these new laws, but they'll try to try to make people sell down. Like, oh, no, you can still own it. You just it's going to This will help long term because then new people can't get it, which is ridiculous and unfounded. And it's also worth noting that in 2020, according to the FBI, more people were killed with fists and feet than rifles. Interesting to note. And the United States has had the gun ban of 1994. And that ban, that was basically what they're trying to replicate with the magazine ban and the scary black rifle ban. But three independent studies from that 10-year law, showed it had no impact on crime. Didn't decrease the rate, didn't increase mass shootings. So it was literally just a virtue signal. And also, for a million times, you could print a magazine these days. It's a very rudimentary design. It's a box of metal with a spring. So that's just ridiculous. So thankfully, probably get some pushback, since I believe everyone should have the ability to defend themselves as their family. Now going over to more political news, and a lot of people said, and it was fascinating when I first told people I want to start a podcast around these three topics, they said, you know, you can't talk about politics, as not, you know, just stick to business. You can't. 
because they are so intertwined. And business these days is so regulated and so controlled and so abused by the government. I mean, you have to bring it up and hopefully combat extra regulations, taxes, so that businesses can actually grow, make money, prosper for themselves and their employees. Now, keep in mind, this is one of the biggest economic downturns in our lifetime. We have record inflation. So keep all that in mind. Biden just proposed raising the corporate tax from 21% to 28%. Which, especially, you're talking about, that is just astronomical amount of burn that's going to be put on businesses, especially small businesses, that a lot of them are surviving on single-digit profits, single-digit profit margins. And a lot of people are saying that it's going to hurt small businesses the worst, which Every politician says they support small businesses, they believe in small businesses. Well, why don't you show that? Some politicians have, but it's few and far in between, on the left and the right. It'd be nice if a, some politician came in with more business experience and said, we understand you create jobs. It's not just a corporate tax. You have all the payroll taxes. You have sales taxes if you're selling products or supporting the state. So they're being taxed into oblivion. Why don't we give them a break? Or why don't we actually support them? Now, going to the data, small businesses accounted for 65.1% of net new jobs from 2000 to 2019 and made make up 99.7% of firms with paid employees, according to the SBA, also known as the Small Business Administration. Now, raising this from 21 to 28% would negate the what many are calling the Trump tax cuts, which... When he was president, they passed tax cuts. It wasn't just him, it was also Republicans in the government. But like a lot of initiatives and tax cuts, you usually just call it whoever's in charge. And now Biden actually mentioned he would be willing to negotiate with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So he's already kind of maybe showing his hand. He's like, well, I want 28, but I'm willing to negotiate, which if you're going to negotiate, that's probably not, not prudent to right off the bat say, oh yeah, I'm willing to go down. But where is the support for this? I, it's, it, it's just ridiculous. And then Biden actually said, quote, unquote, my budget reflects what we can do to lift the burden, lift the burden on hardworking Americans. And he actually looked excited when he was talking about raising the corporate taxes. And it's just ridiculous because businesses employ people. They make a product. They make a service. If you raise... The taxes, you're either going to, there's either two things. One, the business could accept to just take the hit if they can afford it. I mean, you can't. Or two, more realistically, they're going to increase their prices to put that on, to shift that cost to the consumer. None of these are good outcomes. And many economic experts say one of the best ways to boost the economy, slash the taxes so there's more investment opportunity. So for people to start businesses and expand businesses. If, you're knowing, if you know you're going to be taxed into oblivion, you're not going to reinvest. You're not going to build new machinery, invest in more engineering resources to come out with new ideas or expand on your currents. And hopefully there's a mass amount of public and political pushback, to, especially right now, to raise any taxes on businesses. businesses. Heck, any taxes in general. A good rule of thumb is ta with taxes is decrease that rate, then you get the volume. So cut the taxes so more businesses are created, more businesses expand, and the government will get more tax money that way. Or just, you know, stop spending so much of our money. That would be nice as well, since 
government just seems to spend, spend, spend. That seems to be a trend for everyone in power, regardless of who you vote for, unfortunately. You get tax breaks and you get some cutting and spending every once in a while, but not enough in my opinion. Now, going on to the business blunder, blunder of the week, or sorry, of the day, it feels like the week because this is, it's a repeat. So now we have the third recall of the year with Tesla, specifically the Model Y. Now the steering wheels on the Model Y might fall off. So the US auto safety regulator opened an investigation into the malfunction. So far, two steering wheels have fallen off, two Model Ys, and in both instances, the bolt that secures the steering wheel to the column came undone and the whole thing came off. This is going to, rough estimates, this is going to affect 120,000 2023 Tesla Model Ys. And going back in time, in February, they recall, recalled 362,758 Model Ys because the vehicles had a self-driving beta software that could make the vehicle quote unquote unsafe around, unsafe around intersections. And then in March, like, what was it, three days ago or three episodes ago, they recalled 3,470 Model Y vehicles made from 2022-23 due to loose bolts on the seat frame. Rudimentarily speaking, the seats could fall off the frame in the car, seats just come dislodging, fall, off, fall over, what have you. So I don't know who the sales rep is at Loctite, but go sell them some Loctite or some way to more properly secure these bolts because... This is two of those three instances. Two of them are hardware issues. And it just is astonishing how many of these issues keep coming up like whack-a-mole. Every company, I've said this before, every car company does have recalls, but to have so many in such a short period of time, when you're in such a hyper-competitive market, that's, again, not good news for Tesla. So hopefully they fix those things on their assembly line, maybe have some lessons learned and tighten the crap out of every bolt possible. But needless to say, that is the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. If you'd like to see more content like this, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment. Don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your enemies, heck, tell anyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.